Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and you are listening to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have Mr. Colin Gilmore. Having a famous last name might open a few doors in the music business, but when your pedigree is in the realm of revered Texas singer-songwriters, that name simply doesn't buy you the respect essential to your own success. Those stripes must be earned. Such is the case of Colin Gilmore. He shares the last name of his father, Jimmy Dale, a singer, songwriter, and guitarist, member of the Flatlanders and sometime actor who played a bowling opponent to The Dude and Walter in the 1998 Coen Brothers film The Big Lebowski, Colin grew up in Lubbock, Texas, and as much as there must be something in the water in that West Texas town that breeds good writers, there is also something in Colin Gilmore's blood that gives him a leg up on his songwriting contemporaries. For his recently released third album, The Wild and Hollow, he found inspiration in both Austin and Chicago, and the expanded palette is palpable in the material. More importantly, he's earning his stripes the old-fashioned way, by becoming a Texas troubadour in his own right, and traveling around the country with his guitar and an ever-growing repertoire of songs. Welcome to Independence Day, Colin Gilmore. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thanks. We yeah, put this together in very, very short notice. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's going very, very well. I've had a good time talking to you so far today, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. And let me jump in right now and just say, I apologize to everyone in Radioland because I'm on maybe week two or three of a wicked cold. So I sound even <laughs> more, uh, my basso profundo is a little more basso than even it normally would be. So Colin, you're out here in LA, but you're based out of Austin. Right. right. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing, because you grew up and in Lubbock, like even farther west than Austin. Like, what right. is it? What is it about a place like Lubbock that is there something in the water that so many great writers come from there? Because you've got like your dad, Joe Ely's from the area, Butch Hancock, Amanda Shires, kind of that West Texas area. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's funny. We always that's a saying, you know, that it's something in the water there, and uh, if, if that's true, then. Uh, Anywhere, any town. If you want to hear the best music, go to the town with the worst water. Okay, you know, that's uh, that's Lubbock. I think has some of the worst water anywhere. Yeah, and so uh, it's, it's not what's in the water; it's what isn't in the water. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. It's uh, it's uh, there. There's something. Uh, the I th- I really think that the the sky there has a lot to do with it. The inspiration. It's uh, you know, it's a it's a town that. Uh, traditionally had a lot of catching up to do with uh recognizing its own musicians you know um uh there was a story that you know when buddy holly and jerry lee lewis hit the big time jerry lee lewis came back to his little his hometown in a little town in louisiana and they had a parade for him and named a day after him and buddy holly came home a star and the town just was like who are you you know yeah and uh and so and and you know that's always been part of the appeal of it, I guess. I mean, it's that there's not this big spotlight on you there, but um, there had, there's just always been a ton of people that really hit their stride from there. And then a, a lot of them, most of them, I'd say, at some point moved off somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, I mean, that's not unusual for anybody, unless you're from New York or you're from L.A. Right, right. But even then, I mean, a guy like Jeff Buckley, who yeah. was from Los Angeles, grew up around the Los Angeles area, you know, went to Musicians Institute here in right. town, like kind of cut his cut his teeth, but then he moved to New York. Oh, okay, yeah. And that's right. kind of where he first, you know, he first made his musical wave. So it's not unusual. I mean, I think everybody, to a certain extent, 
there's something about being a teenager. No matter where you're from, it sucks. You got to split. Yeah, and you got to exactly. go somewhere else Absolutely. to kind of kind of earn your stripes. You know, which is something that you're doing. And you've been at this a while. I mean, you're not like a young. I mean, not an old guy, but you're not a young whippersnapper either. Right, you're not like a 22 right. year old just kind of making waves. Yeah, you've yeah. got a handful of albums and EPs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you you kind of left West Texas. You went to Austin, which is yeah. where you make your home. And how long have you been in Austin? I've been there about uh, now 24 years. Okay. Yeah. It's a very musical town. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, everywhere you go, I mean, it seems like you're standing in line at the post office <clears throat> and there's some guy <laughs> yep. or some girl playing a tune. It's true. Um, yeah. How is it different than West Texas musically? Austin just has so much going on. You know, Lubbock uh, is, is uh, in comparison, you know, Lubbock's a lot more conservative. The culture there's way, way more conservative. Um, and also, the, uh, there's not a lot of, you know, establishment for musicians, I guess. You know, in Austin, they have music at the airport, and they sure yeah. don't have that in Lubbock at the airport, yeah. you know. Um, but there, there, there's some good clubs there. It's just that... You got to go kind of seek them out, I think. Yeah. And Lubbock is so much smaller that, you know, that if you are, you know, they're, in Lubbock, it's funny because I'd say comparatively, in Lubbock, if you get on stage and play, there's an expectation that you're going to be good. They, they, yeah. there's, there's some of an expectation that you're going to know your crap, you know, you're going to be good at your instrument and be able to play. It, that may be more lax in Austin. In Austin, there's, more of an expectation that you're going to be original and that you're going to be playing your yeah. own songs and that you're going to be doing something interesting and new. And uh, Lubbock, you know, you can get away with doing more, something more traditional or a cover song or, you know, the, the, the two very different approaches to music in general, I think. Yeah, people outside of Texas aren't really aware that there's like a Texas circuit mm -hmm. for songwriters, singer-songwriters, and there's a whole cadre of these Texas. There's like, people that make a living yeah. just... just in Texas, in Texas as I, a I could never do that. I my style isn't right. My yeah. you know, maybe my temperament or my uh, maybe I just haven't sought out the right gigs. But yeah. um, I've found more kind of you know inspiration and 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 open arms in on the West Coast and in the yeah. Midwest and you know. It, yeah, as time moves on, I mean, you know, Texas, uh, you know, rural areas everywhere in our country, regardless of what state you're in. I mean, there, there's, you know, you're that, there's that joke like, well, you know, welcome to Alabama. Please set your clock back 50 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, and for better and for worse. I yeah, mean, definitely. You know, there's definitely good things about that. The whole, oh, like, yeah. The whole, like, Mayberry ideal mm -hmm. where you go to a place where time kind of passed by. And, you know, people talk to each other and they know their neighbors. And Yeah, like a simplicity to it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then when you're, when you're into singer-songwriter music, it has that almost timeless feel. So in mm -hmm. that genre, it kind of fits within that framework. Yeah, yeah. But to your point, like, you know, your dad was one of those guys or is one of those guys. I mean, yeah. he certainly transcended Texas. Right, right. But, you know, he's in that group of people who travel around Texas and could theoretically, they don't really have to go. You know, like Robert Earl Keane comes to mind. Oh, yeah, you know, definitely. Like you see him, he tours, you know, nationally, but you yeah, could probably and, and get away with touring just in Texas. Yeah, they could. And, uh, you know, for, for my dad in particular, he, he, he'll he do better in New York than he will in Houston or, you know, yeah. and, 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 he, and he, his the, the Flatlanders album got pushed to the side and completely ignored in, in America while it was becoming a cult classic in England and yeah. they didn't even know it, you know, and that's yeah. part of what prompted them to get back together. So. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Steve Earle was like that for years and years and years. He always said, you know, his, his biggest sales were always in Chicago. Oh, wow. His concerts, yeah. like his biggest concerts were in Chicago. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he taught for a brief period at the, uh, the old town school of folk music. He taught oh, okay. a songwriting class. Oh, I didn't there. know that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and now he lives in New York, but he was a Nashville guy for forever and ever, but he's from Texas too. Right, right. So there's something about Texas that just creates, you know, these storied singer-songwriters who then sometimes leave Texas and right, just kind of right. take it elsewhere. And you're, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. going to play a track from this new record of yours. just came out this summer in July. Mm-hmm. The record's called The Wild and Hollow, and it was recorded both in uh, Austin and in Chicago. Right. 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 And uh, so you've got kind of a connection to that city, which is my hometown as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've fallen in love with it. So let's, um, let's play a track from this record. We'll come back. Let's talk a little bit about like geography and music and, you know, what, why you went to Chicago to do this. So uh, very, very happy to have Colin Gilmore as my guest tonight on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. As always, this is the track Only Real to Me, Colin Gilmore on Independence Day.
My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day, so we're very happy to have you along for the ride tonight. My guest is Colin Gilmore, the American spelling of Gilmore, G-I-L-M-O-R-E, not David Gilmore, M-O-U-R. Oh, right. Did, right. You ever th- did your dad ever even know... You know, working in the country music field, did he reference David Gilmore and make jokes about the fact that he had the same last name with a different spelling? Uh, you know, actually, th- get this. My dad started going by Jimmy Dale Gilmore instead of Jimmy Gilmore because Jimmy Gilmer, uh-huh. uh, who had the hit Sugar Shack, is also from Lubbock, Texas. Okay. And and so people would come to my dad's shows and request Sugar Shack. Okay. And... uh yeah, a few times, you know, people would say, "Hey, any relation to David Gilmore?" Yeah. Like, no, uh, not particularly. Different spelling and 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 different yeah. continent, but uh, but yeah, Jim, <laughs> Jimmy Gilmer, the, the 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 both from the same town, and coincidentally, yeah. Well, that's like the whole Ryan Adams and Brian Adams thing. Yeah, yeah. Like he he gets very hot under the collar. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I think honestly, so I, hear. I think Brian Adams gets a bad rap. I actually think he's better. Oh, than yeah. most. I think he's better than most people think. He, oh yeah, think I think is. so too. Uh, but so you can people can check out uh, your music, ColinGilmore.com, C O L I N Gilmore, G I L M O R E. Also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Happier Gilmore, which is a great. Yeah. <laughs> very very clever. ReverbNation.com or excuse me, yeah, ReverbNation.com slash Colin Gilmore, and you're on Twitter just simply at Colin Gilmore, so right. people can be fully web enabled, find out where you are. Yep. Yep. Um, so tell me about this. You, you know, this was your third full length album, this new record. Uh huh. And so why Chicago? Well, uh, several things happened uh, at the same time about five, six years ago where uh, a friend of mine in Austin named Phil Ajerapu, uh he and I played in a band together, and he told me about these guys, uh, the Tim and Jay Bennett brothers that live in Chicago. They, they used to play with Bastard Sons of Johnny Cash, and uh, we, we, I came up there with Phil, and we all did a show together at the Old Town School of Art, you know. Yeah. And we just loved playing together. So we just kept doing it. And I was like, you know, we're starting to get a little crowd here in Chicago. Why don't you several times a year, I'll come up there. And then we, and meanwhile, I started working with a manager up there named Matt Suhar, who actually passed away just this, uh, this last uh, March. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. He was kind of mysteriously killed by hit and run. Um, Yeah. It's very bizarre. And it's, it's, definitely a heartbreaking thing because you know matt suhar is really he was just wonderful guy we became really good friends and he really you know introduced me to a whole side of music that i wouldn't have been a world of music that i wouldn't have been in and and uh he he kind of he he helped me fall in love with chicago too so yeah um you know speaking for myself i mean it's an easy city to fall in love with especially if you're there like in the summertime you know when it's not eight degrees uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're lucky, but it's a, it's such a wonderful city and it has such an interesting, uh, kind of, I don't say identity crisis because I grew up around Chicago then went to New York, lived there for a few years. And in Chicago, if you don't have like a, a regular job, mm-hmm. like if you're an artist in Chicago, it's very, it's, it's kind of unusual. Yeah. You know, it's almost frowned upon in a certain way. Like I came back from New York and New York, it's not uncommon to see people walking around all hours of the day or night. Cause they might be working. Who knows what kind of job they have. Right. But in Chicago, it's like, Oh, why are you out? Why aren't you in an office at one forty-five in the <laughs> afternoon on a Tuesday? But but at the same time, you know they have Steppenwolf and they have Second City there, and they really support the arts. And I've heard that bands like playing in Chicago. Oh yeah, um, and it seems like you found a, a good reception there as well. Yeah, I have, I have. Um, so you know, so then you would just kind of show up and 
you know, start building a fan base in this particular city. Right, right. Uh, I did, and and just just it, it, something about it. The enthusiasm for music is so different there than Austin. Um, yeah. Austin, there, everybody loves live music, but everybody plays live music also. So yeah. it's trying to get anybody out to a show when they're not playing that same night is tough, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, and Chicago's a very multicultural city. I mean, you've got it is. lots of all, you know, there's Germans and Swedes and Lithuanians and Polish. And yeah, and, you know, Austin, we think of ourselves as very, you know, multi-ethnic, but we don't have a Serbian neighborhood yeah. or, a, or a, you yeah. know, a Jewish neighborhood. It's a little or, more you know, bi-ethnic than it is, yeah, yeah. you know, than it is multi-ethnic. Yeah, exactly. And I think that informs, you know, the populace. It's a big melting pot. Yeah. You know, when you get these big cities like Chicago, New York, people in some ways, I mean, some people are going to rip me for this, but they kind of have to get along better because they have no choice. Right. They're all kind of packed in together. Absolutely. And that's the way Manhattan is. I learned that about Manhattan. Yeah. So let's, um, let's break right now. Let's play a, a track from this, for this record uh, in the studio here. This is a, I think, what's this first track going to be? First track is Into My Future. Okay. And it's one that I wrote with my uh, band in Chicago, Tim okay. and Jay Bennett and, and Billy Crompton, who okay. moved back to Cleveland. So is it like you guys sitting around like with guitars, like making up tunes? Or? Well, they, you know, the three of them were living in Chicago and I was living in Austin and, and they came up with this kind of riff, the main sort of riff of the song. And they were like, Hey, check this out. And I just said, Hey, do you mind if I kind of run with this? And, and I, I kind of wrote a song around it, but then I brought it back to them and we changed it up. We, we, you know, we kind of, I wanted to make sure that everybody got a, had a hand in how it sounded, you know? Okay. Great. That been. I always like to hear that when people kind of spread it around a little bit because some people, myself included, sometimes you get very precious about your writing. Yeah, me you too. Know? And and and, and I, I hit. I got into a point where I'm like, I don't know what to do next. So I need, yeah. you know, I I need some outside inspiration here. Yeah, and it's a good way to do it. Find people you trust and make music with them. Find yeah. people you like and yeah. make music yeah. with them. So this is uh, Colin Gilmore here on Independence Day with a track from his most recent record, uh, which is called "The Wild and Hollow." The track is "Into My Future." You keep stepping into my future You got a long way to go, got a lot of time to get there You keep rolling in my field of vision Sunlight in your eye and a hurricane in your hair Oh, and it's all gonna end in a wild collision And by the look on your face you're saying you really don't care Go where you want to Cut through the moment like an arrow in flight Time just rolls with and you make it all look right You keep stepping into my future If you get there, baby, baby, keep it good and bright I got running in my own direction 
I heard the sirens singing everywhere and all for me I wasn't looking for any real connection But sometimes the right move can bring on the wrong destiny Oh, you came stepping into my future Now everywhere you go, you shine a little light on me Go where you want to Don't wait for nothing, tomorrow is blind Take my heart with you And I'll catch up with you down the line My name is Joe Armstrong, and you are listening to Independence Day. Tonight's guest, Colin Gilmore. So very, very happy to have him in our studio here. Uh, you can learn about him at colingilmore.com and, of course, indepthday.com, where this will be archived along with the rest of our 90-plus shows now. Two and a half years and going strong here on Independence Day. So you've got this new record. We touched on this before you played the tune. Excellent tune, by the way. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Um, what... What is it about Chicago? I mean, other than the fact that you found an audience there, like you said, you just kind of fell in love with it. Like, how is it different from Austin? And, and what is it about it that made you really like the city? Um, you know, for me, I, it might even just be that I was such a, like a John Hughes fan growing up, okay. you know, like that, that, that I just look around and I'm like, oh, I'm in a movie. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've got that feeling that I did when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, and then Musically, I cannot put my finger on it how it's different from Austin. Um, you know, if I had to take a crack at describing the difference, you know, with it, there's people doing what would be considered the same kind of music like Americana, you know, singer songwriters yeah. or whatever. But similar, you know, it could fit on the same bill, but uh, I think Austin tends to, even without meaning to, lean a little more like country folk, you know? Yeah. Whereas. Uh, Chicago's got people even doing the same genre of music that it's got, it's got kind of some sort of a modern twist to it that, okay. that people in Austin aren't averse to. They, they just, it just never would have occurred to them to produce this song this way or to come up with this melody and this chord progression. It's very subtle and it's very, uh, I'm sure it, it, you know, it's not true all the time, but, yeah. but it, I notice it, you know, I, I go out, my band will take me out to go see a, somebody playing one night and I'm like, this just sounds different, you know? Yeah. yeah they're definitely, I don't want, I mean, I say this all the time. They're kind of all over the place stylistically because there's, yeah. there's kind of like an indie scene there and there's like a folk scene. John Prine came up through the folk Absolutely. scene in Chicago. Yeah, Steve jo Goodman. Steve Goodman, um, Robbie Folks, Robbie you know? Folks. And then, but he's, you know, then you've got the bloodshot thing, which is kind of like the insurgent country yeah. thing. Absolutely. And then, and then you've got, um, you know, like guys like Steve Earle, who's not from Chicago, but had a lot of fans there. Right. You know, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I miss my town, but only when it's summer, only when the weather's yeah, nice. Yeah, right. So um, let's, how about another tune? Let's jump right in. I want to get up, make sure we get as many tunes as we can get out of you here. So what's this, This you want to play something else from the next, for the new record? Yeah, I'll play something else for the new album. This one's called Feel Like Falling. And uh, now, if you get the album, you'll hear Julia Klee singing with me. She's another, uh, 
a really good singer-songwriter with a beautiful voice in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I met her through my band there, and she's been singing with us a lot. And it's a song I wrote, but she's she's on it with me. But right now, you'll you'll hear me singing it. So. All right, cool. Yeah, I like it. I love one of my favorite things about uh, doing this show is you know I hear a lot of you know music that people have pre-recorded. They send me CDs or downloads or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when bands come in, you know, a lot, of, a lot of those records are, are fully produced. There's a band, there's multiple instruments, which I love. I and mean, I love right. the art of producing records. But, you know, a lot of artists, when they come into the show, some of them choose to do band, full band recordings. But a lot of people come in and just do it by themselves, mm-hmm. kind of strip away everything else. And you really get to the heart of the song that way. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, which yeah. I think is a, is a nice contrast. I mean, as a musician myself, if I had to play all solo shows, it would drive me crazy. Right. But as a contrast to playing with a band, it's a really cool thing. So uh, once again, Colin, uh, this is uh, Feel Like Falling from your brand new record, The Wild and Hollow, stripped down and acoustic here on Independence Day. It's a long, lonely way From the top of the hill to the bottom When the boughs of fortune sway There's nowhere to go but low All the world in your hand Spilled out into the sand And your blue skies spilled out into the sea Now there's nothing to hold on to No one to belong to Do you feel like falling with me? You got miles of endless highway wrapped around your hitching thumb you got memories inside you and memories still to come but if the bluebird on your shoulder starts singing out of tune and the drummer beat the rhythm out of time would you let go and hope that the end of the rope doesn't mean it's the end of the line do you feel like falling do you feel like falling feel like falling feel like falling with me I've been staring into nothing for a long time Just waiting for the story to begin You can lean on me, baby And if you hold on real tight I just might pull you in Do you feel like falling with me? Do you feel like falling? When the night when it's your hair I lose my step and I don't care Cause I feel like falling with you 
Do you feel like falling? Feel like falling? Feel like falling? Colin Gilmore on Independence Day, such beautiful music, man. So let's let's talk a little bit about your musical, your pedigree, because your dad, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, internationally known musician. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up not just with him in you know around playing songs like watching him do that as right. a profession you get other guys too rolling through the house you yeah know, he's definitely. got a lot of famous friends who mm-hmm. are well regarded revered songwriters right was there i mean did you just always think that you were going to go into this i you know from a pretty young age i wanted to uh my dad when i was really young he moved away from lubbock and he moved to austin so i you know i kind of would only see him during the summer and Times like that, but but also he and my mom also is a you know really uh, got a beautiful voice, um, and all their group of friends would get together and play in the living room or play in the backyard. You know, Jesse Taylor, the guitar player Jesse Taylor, uh, his mother would let the whole gang gather at her house and play in the backyard, yeah. kind of like before the other parents started letting them. You know, so. So uh, I remember that was a big gathering there, and and so and we, t- we I guess you know we took it for granted when we were young, and and also at that time my dad wasn't famous yet. Um, he I remember one time he came to Lubbock and they showed him a little clip of him on the Lubbock News, and we we're like, oh my god, wow, he's that's on so cool. dad's on the TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you know, uh, as a teenager, I I, I got into like, I started watching MTV. I was into Michael Jackson and the cars and the okay. alarm and band, yeah, you yeah. know, like a lot of like pop and post-punk stuff, I guess you'd call it new wave or something. I loved that. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And, um, and it wasn't until years later that I found out, Oh, Joe Ely toured with the clash, you know? And, oh, they, yeah. and so, so it was like that. I realized that these, the worlds that I came from were closer together than I thought, you know, yeah. the, yeah, you find that you get to a certain level with musicians, and a lot of them are just very friendly. They're like, irrespective of style. Oh yeah, like in absolutely. LA, we've got the uh, Dwight Yoakam. You know, he used to play with punk bands. Yeah, right. You know, or like hardcore bands. You know, yeah. he, he was doing his traditional like revisionist Buck Owens thing. Right, right. But he'd get on a bill with a band like that, a way more aggressive band. And right. It just, for a musician, it doesn't. It, it's it's not. It's just a different flavor of the same. Yeah, thing. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of times very supportive. Um, so. How old were you when you started writing then? Well, uh, I don't know if you count this, but when I was in high school, I was in a punk band and I, you know, we were writing songs just two minute songs purely to irritate people, I think, you know, and then, but, but still we, we, you know, even then we, we liked a good hook. We liked a good melody. Um, and it's, you know, it's songs later on. I'm just going, Oh my God, what were we thinking? But, but later on when I really, when I got out of college, I, I kind of hit the road, me and my friend, John, uh, Walker, we went to Europe together and just kind of rode trains around for a month. And we, yeah. I, that's when I started writing, uh, you know, he and I wrote that song free money together. So how old were you at this point? Uh, it was like early twenties. Okay. You know? And, uh, and at that point I was like, you know what? I, I'd like to, you know, I showed my dad, I came back home and I showed my dad some of these songs that, it, that I wrote and he really liked them and he showed them to the Flatlanders and they really liked them. Okay. Um, 
That's a good. So, that's a pretty big vote of confidence. Yeah, it was, and and uh, you know, of course, they were probably biased and everything, but they 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 wanted to like me, but uh, they dug it. You know, they they really dug it, and eventually they ended up covering one of my songs on their album, and and it it became their that album's uh, biggest iTunes selling okay. song, and and they would close their shows with it. So, that's pretty cool. So they they gave it some special care, you know. And, uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of how I got started is opening shows for my dad, touring and, and being his roadie kind of, you yeah. know. Yeah. Justin Towns Earl kind of yeah. very, very similar career Pro- path. Probably a similar deal. Yeah. And you guys are, you know, that's the thing though. Um, you know, you're, you kind of start off in the shadow, yeah you know, and you do get the benefit of having that. Oh yeah. You, know, you got absolutely. a dad who can it's, book a gig. It's, it's open, it's open doors for me that wouldn't otherwise be there. But it's funny because I found, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but sometimes I've opened shows for the Flatlanders or for my dad and people came up afterwards saying, man, I really liked you. And I thought I was going to hate you. You know, yeah. I was like, <laughs> it, it, it kind of, people were thinking, uh Oh, like the guy's son's opening. Yeah. Show. Oh, well, that's, no. I guess that's you what know? I'm getting at. In some ways they scrutinize you more Yeah. because you know, you really have to earn your stripes. You know, everyone right. has to earn their stripes, yeah, but especially definitely. in the singer songwriter world, yeah. you know, and part of that comes into like, I didn't really get into writing until I, I mean, in some ways I kind of waited to start writing because I wanted to have lived some first. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, I've got to sing, like, I don't trust anyone who hasn't had their heart broken. Right. Right. You know, and you have somebody to go break out. My heart here. Somebody yeah. break my heart. Somebody, <laughs> you know, somebody, you know, girls were lining up, but yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, to break my heart, I mean, yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, but you need that life experience to, I think, you know, there's yeah. a certain amount of artistic license that goes into writing because not everybody right. can be as screwed up as like Tom Waits, for example, you know, he doesn't know any one armed dwarves. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe he did at one point, but, <laughs> but, you know, but he writes about those kinds of things. So there's artistic right. license. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, or Randy Newman, like the, the untrustworthy narrator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of a song. Uh, and it's such a you know, writing is such a different thing. It's like you're you're a musician, but then you're a writer, right? You know? And and the inspiration can come from just God knows where. You yeah. know, it's it's uh, it's it's hard to say where it's gonna uh-huh. pop up. Or... Yeah, let's play another tune here in the studio while we're talking about this writing. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about your process, maybe. Uh, was this uh, what's what's next for us, Colin? So uh, this is the one I was talking about, "Free Money," that my friend John Walker and I wrote. This is one of the first songs I ever wrote that I still play today you know um and uh it's the one that he and i kind of wrote together when we were bumming around europe okay (laughs) called free money i'm curious to see what this is going to sound like because inspiration for writing like a singer songwritery texas troubadour kind of song coming from europe is kind of an interesting thing i can't wait to see what what this is all going to be about yeah so thank you colin for being here and thanks for playing the music joe armstrong is my name colin gilmore is his name you are listening to independence day Free Money is the track on Independence Day. I had a deep fall with a stiff push from behind. I fell into an abandoned diamond mine. Now my first reaction was to thank my stars for all the riches. But I had no light to make it shine, so I cursed the sons of bitches. I can't stop looking behind Cause the light at the end of the tunnel's so bright I'm going blind It's true, I see Free money's never free Well, the poorest man's got a pocket of gold And the richest only pennies 
The drunkard's going sober and the fat man's going skinny I can't stop looking down Cause the sweet Lord adorned my head with a mirrored crown It's true, I see, free money's never free into my pocket today and all I found was lint I looked up to the sky and I swear it all went I pulled a magic penny I spun it all around now I'm waiting for my fortune to come tumbling to the ground I can't stop Closing my eyes Cause the bankers sold the deed away to my blue skies It's true, I see Free money's never free And that is Colin Gilmore. I'm so very happy to bring his music to you here on Independence Day. These songs are great, man. Thank we you. talked before about you earning your stripes. And the only way to earn your stripes as a writer is to write. Yeah. <laughs> so how... You know, how prolific are you with writing? Is this something that you're very diligent about? Because I think that there's kind of like two kinds of writers that I've talked to. There's the right. kind that like they're scribbling on napkins yeah. and they're recording stuff into their phone all the time. And yeah. they're, they're writing on their arm. They'll come up with inspiration standing in line at the bank. Yeah. Right. And then there's the other kind. It's, it's kind of like the Ray Bradbury kind. Mm-hmm. Even though he was a he didn't write songs, but he had a process. He right. would get up every single day of his life and sit at his typewriter and just write for an hour. It right. didn't matter. He said it didn't matter if I hit the key, the Y key, over mm-hmm. and over for an hour. But usually he wouldn't. But that way, you know, it kind of forces your brain to spit out content. So I'm, what, I'm what, very much the first kind. Uh, okay. But but I've been, you know, I've been telling myself, and I've been making some attempts to at least, you know, d- d- uh, uh, dabble in the other way of doing it where there's a discipline to it and, yeah. a, and a routine to it. Um, I've never... I've just never been able to make myself do that. And, and when I have tried before it very much, a lot of it was just, yeah, hitting that Y key over and over again. Um, and, uh, some people just find, uh, they can get something out of that. To me, it's like, I'm like, all right, I got a page of Y's, you know, I Uh I would rather have been outside uh, doing something and, and, you know, looking for, you know, waiting for something cool to happen that I'll go write about. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it is different for everybody, but I'd, uh, there's de- probably lessons to be learned from uh, being more disciplined about it. I, d- I definitely like write slower than I would like to at times. Yeah, you know, being prolific, I think, is is kind of a gift. It is. Or a blessing. Because, I mean, and then for me, it comes in phases. Yeah. Like, I'll be really inspired for a couple months, and I'll crank out a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And for me, I mean, here's another question. This is totally inside baseball. It's a little bit of a pat question. But when you write, is your inspiration or your seed for a tune, is it a musical idea or is it a lyrical idea usually? Uh, almost always a musical idea. I'll get this musical line in my head and I'll be like, man, there are words to this I know and I'll spend forever trying to find those words. I'll be like, oh, that sounds stupid with it. And 
this is a this is this is a happy little melody, and I've just put this sad or too too you know too much of a complex line onto it that nobody's gonna get. And you know, there I always feel like there's there are there's a line and a melody that go together somewhere, and sometimes yeah. they come at the same time. Sometimes it's just the line and melody come together, you know, and they were they were just born to be that way, yeah. you know. How, you know, we, we mentioned the word precious before, like in response to my, my own songwriting, like how, how precious do you get with it? Like, are you willing to just, I guess sometimes I'll get on a song, like, will you, will you start writing a song and then you're like, you kind of like the way it's going, but then it kind of goes off in a direction maybe you didn't like, but yeah, you still that think happens. that you still think the elements might be good. Like, are you willing to just smash it apart at that point and go back to its elemental pieces and like well, reconstruct it or? Yeah, I am. Um, and I get, I get tripped up at times because I don't know whether I'm, you know, at a certain point, I've rewritten a line in something so many times that I'm like, all right, this is ridiculous. Let's just stick with something, yeah. you know? But ideally, something happens where I, I'm like, oh, that really matches, you know? Yeah. And that's that's what I always hope for. I've, I feel like the song the song will tell you, if you listen carefully enough, what yeah. it wants to be. I was right. having another conversation with another songwriter friend of mine recently, and that very topic came up because you can kind of... I've got this metaphor, songs are like kids. You know, like you, you, this kid is born, right? And it's your job as a parent to kind of bring it into the world and not let it get beat up yeah, and like yeah. be its guardian. You, so, you know, a good parent lets the kid be what the kid is going to yeah, be unless, yeah. the, unless the kid's going to be a ax murder or whatever, but then, right. you know, how many songs are really ax murder? Oh, you're not, and you're not, you know, yeah, or you're not. Hey, kid, you're going to be a lawyer no matter yeah. what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something, and I really like that metaphor because I, I feel like my, I feel like when I get a song idea that I really love and I think is good, I mean, I feel like it's almost, it's almost something that it was a gift from the creative force in the universe, yeah. whether it's conscious or unconscious. Some people would call it God, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. It, it came from that source of creativity and it was bestowed upon me. And yeah. I feel a responsibility now to like, okay, what does this song want to be? Like if, if and, and some songs, and then some kids, you know, they come into the world kicking and screaming and they're really unruly. Yeah. You know, and they don't they don't want to be corralled and they don't want to grow up. They don't want to be what they're going to be. And so you have to figure out that way, you know. Yeah, because that once that sometimes that gift comes along for a line and then that's the last gift that gets given to you. After that it's like, "Oh, do something with it," you know. Yeah. And and it's sometimes it's kind of like I get a feeling, "Oh, if I don't do something with this, it's just going to die," you know. Yeah. But I've also pulled melodies that I created 10 years ago and yeah. create something with it. Yeah, there's there's another approach to writing. You know, Don Henley has said a couple times, like he's he's really just trying to write the same song over. Right. Not, I mean, in some might, people who don't like the Eagles might say that that's what he's done. But that's, <laughs> Congratulations. that's not the point I'm getting at. The point is, right. you know, he's written songs that people love. Right. Whether, right. you know, millions and millions of people have ponied up money to buy yeah, Eagles songs. Definitely. And his solo records too. So his whole thing is that he's always just trying to write the best song he can ever write. Right. And every time he starts a song, that's how he views that song. Like, I yeah. want this to be the best song I can ever write. And he's like, really, I'm just writing one song. You know, I, I just, I love talking to people about how they go about this process. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really strange thing. I, I've always kind of admired people who can, you know, like they think of a line, you know, like a clever line and they're like, oh, Let's write a song about that, and then yeah. just whip out a song. I'm like, man, how you do that? I can, I can. It, when I do that, when I start with a concept, I can labor over the thing forever, you know. Yeah. And and it and it can really go nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it can really uh, be just like, all right, well, I got this line, and I, you know, I've written a 
now I wrote a little chorus around it and it sounds so stupid, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, uh, to me, it really, uh, any line, no matter how clever has to be, uh, paired with the right rhythm and melody, you know, yeah. and, and then everything can fall around it, you know? Yeah. Having a band around is a big thing for me. If I know I can go and take that idea really soon, like within a couple of days to a group of guys or musicians, women that I'm playing yeah, with, absolutely. if I can take it to other musicians right away. Because they inspire me to do different things about it too. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah. even pure co-writing in that sense. Although I'm open to that too. But you know, the, I'll bring it in like, hey, I've got this idea, and you start kind of playing on it. As a musician, say so you jam on it. Yeah. And then someone will throw in the guitar player will come up with this cool lick. I'm like, oh, well, that's great. Let's okay, let's change this chord here. And right. the drummer will come up with something. And you know, I I've always in in, in bands, I'm either like a benevolent dictator, or you know, or very kind of socialist about it like sometimes yeah. i'll have really strong ideas like okay i really want this drum beat you know and the drummer might feel strong-armed about it but <laughs> what are you gonna do you know i wrote the song yeah so well, the, yeah what happened that for me that was interesting is that you know if you play under your own name it's kind of assumed people are like hey what do you want me to do now you know yeah but the band in chicago uh the the thing that happened there was that somehow or another we hit a certain kind of chemistry where uh where they they really were putting something into it that I had never would have thought of. And, it, you know, it never, very rarely did it ever come on like somebody insisting that it go a certain way. It's more like, hey, let's see what we can come up with. Even for songs that I'd already written and played live and recorded and everything, they, you know, they, they, they kind of put a spin on it. That, yeah. And the same thing happened with my band in Austin in different ways. You know, everybody's come up with a different... Uh, uh, different approach to it. Then. Yeah. And I, and more times, sometimes I'll get a real strong feeling, but I've kind of learned that, uh, you're generally better off when you're on stage, uh, letting somebody do what they're comfortable with because that, then they fall into it better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can kind of tug them one way or the other way, but you can't be, you know, I've, I've always read that Paul Simon is kind of iron fisted about it. Like yeah. you play in Paul Simon's band. No, he's kind of, I guess he's earned his right to do that. Well, yeah. And it's his yeah. name on the marquee. Yeah. But, yep. you know, but he's, he's maniacal right. about stuff. Like he'll, they'll, he rehearses his band for hours and hours. Right. And I guess if someone, some drummer will play some, something kind of different, he'll kind of stop and be like, no. Yeah. Do it this, do it this other way. Right. So right. everybody's different. Everybody approaches. Yeah. I think way. Lyle Lovett is kind of more in that vein. So I hear he's, he's a real, he's a real arranger, you yeah. know, he's real like, uh, he arranges that big band, you know, and he's like, he's got all the parts in his head and everything. And. Man, hats off to anybody that can do that, you know. It's um, amazing live. Yeah. You know, I'd always been a passive fan of Lyle, and a few years right. ago, I just happened to grab a couple tickets at the last minute for a show here in L.A. He's great live, you know. He had, like, I think we counted 29 people on stage. Yeah. He's had a whole gospel choir, plus his full band, yeah. Victor Krause and all those guys. Unbelievable. If you learn one thing from the show, other than the fact that Colin Gilmore is great and you should buy his music, is that you should go see Lyle Lovett play a live show at yeah. least once in your life. <laughs> there you go. Let's uh -huh. shift gears just a little bit. Like I want to want to talk a little bit about you know you've been doing the, at this a while. You've got a handful of albums out. Are you? I mean, the first question I'll ask is: Are you are you a full time music person? Like, are you earning all your living in the music business? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of it bounces back and forth. It's it's kind of now to where like I'll have one week where yeah, all I did was play music that week, and the next week I'm like um. You know what? No gig this week. Better do something else. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's kind of it's for a long time. I, I kind of had a a steady job doing bookkeeping, but uh, uh, I'm now back to a lot closer to just being music full time, yeah. which is which is 
the music beautiful full thing. time sometimes you know yeah I, well yeah so the answer to a lot of these questions can be well yes and no yeah oh yeah you know because i've certainly earned my living at it at certain points yeah and sometimes it's just not there right you know there there people think of musicians and they always picture taylor swift right they think that everyone lives some kind of life like in buses and airports and yeah. you know and dancing girls and flash pots and yeah. all yeah. that and videos and and catering but, yeah. you know, there's not a lot of catering in my life. I mean, I have a kitchen and all. That's my catering. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so the second question is, you know, and when it comes to your music career, how independent are you? Like, have you released these albums on labels? No, not on label. I mean, this this last album, I called it uh, Whoopie Town Records, but that's just my label, you know? Yeah. That's, and, and honestly, other than having a little logo, I don't know what having yeah. a label would entail unless other people were on the label, you know? Yeah. So. The role has certainly changed, you know, for yeah. labels. And some of them are doing a better job than others. Yeah, Like holding so. a Lost Highway, yeah. uh, New well, West. New West are is labels great. Uh, that are, they're kind of finding kind of a new way to do it. But they're, I don't want to say they're niche right. labels, but they're a little bit niche They kind of cater to a more specific type of music. Yeah, right, right. And I think it's easier to do that, you know, within a genre than try to be like the big you know, Warner Chapel umbrella. Well, now that's what kind of a label does is it, it kind of puts the right people with the right music, you know? Yeah. And, and well, ideally that's what they did at one point, but they seem to kind of have lost their way. Yeah. yeah. You know, so some, sometimes I lament the old system being gone and other times it's fine. Like we're in the wild west now. We do what we want. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. So when it comes to, cause when it comes to other aspects of your career though, are you doing your own booking or do you have a, someone who's booking Most for of it, you? I've, I'm, I've got some help. I've, I've got, uh, 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 killer artists actually in, in based in Austin is, is, is doing some booking for me. Okay. But right now it's kind of, there, there's no big tours going on or anything. So it's mostly just yeah. kind of, uh, uh, piecemealing it. Yeah. And then for, for, for promotion, like you've got websites, are you doing all that stuff yourself too? Yeah. Most of, most of it. I'm getting a little bit of help. Um, my, my, you know, little street team, uh, killer Bramer, who's doing yeah. my booking has helped me with that. Um, okay. And uh, little, doing a little bit of publicity, both through uh, Patrice Felon and through Lance Cowan. Okay. But, uh, so, I mean, I've found, I mean, any help at all is like a godsend. Oh, yeah, you know, having, absolutely. You know, because that's the thing. I mean, we all got into music to play music, but I find myself spending more time making posters and hanging posters. And it's all part of it, I guess. You know, yeah. those stories of Van Halen used to go, they'd go to shows at the Roxy and they wouldn't go to the show. They'd go to the parking lot and just flyer everyone's car yeah you know van halen we're talking 70s here right you know, van right. halen's playing a party next saturday this, yeah, is, this yeah. is the info so you know everybody it seems like we have more control over our careers a lot of times as independent musicians right but that also means more work and more responsibility yeah right right so how about one last tune we're just about out of time here uh what's this gonna be colin uh this is uh one of the first songs i wrote it's called the you that i knew Okay, just a little bit about this. How old? How do you think? How old do you think the song is? Oh, probably about uh, thirteen years old or yeah. so. I like when songs get a little bit older. Yeah, they, they kind of they just like kids. They grow and change, and they kind of become something else sometimes. Right, even right. to you as the performer of those. All right. Well, this is Colin Gilmore. So very happy to have him in our studio. This is an older song of his. He's going to play it live in our studio. Looking forward to this. This song's called "The You That I Knew." Tonight I hit the city all alone You said your night was over And you thought you might stay home 
And I can't complain about nothing When you're just doing what you want to do But I wonder still what happened to the you that I knew It wasn't long ago, if I recall You said rhyme meant very little And reason meant nothing at all And the wind kept a-blowing, the beat kept a-going If the record missed a measure or two Oh, but that was only true of the you that I knew The you you are now, the you you were then You were more than a dream, you were more than a friend Now you're over my head, way out of my league Flying high, so high, I can't even see What did you do with the you that I knew? Gentlemen tip their hats as you walk by And young men quickly look away If they happen to catch your eye With your head in the air You don't even care What a wretch down here would go through For just one rendezvous With the you that I knew The you you are now then. You were more than a dream, you were more than a friend Now you're over my head, way out of my league Flying high, so high, I can't even see What did you do with the you that I knew? Are hard to find They'll sell you down the river Drag you out, rob you blind This city turns in early I think I'll turn in early too I'm gonna dream my way back to The you that I knew The you you are now then you were more than a dream you were more than a friend now you're over my head way out of my league flying high so high i can't even see well now what did you do what did you do what did you do with the you that i knew Very, very nice man, Colin Gilmore, here on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. You can find this music at www.indepthday.com and, of course, learn about him at colingilmore.com. And I love the happier Gilmore thing that's on your Facebook. Oh, yeah. Account. Clever. <laughs> I just love him. It's, it's a clever thing that's clever cool, not clever kitschy lame. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hope so. so. You're, out, you're doing a few West Coast dates, uh, then you'll be back in Chicago uh, kind of through the fall, and then you'll be back out in California, it looks like, in November again. Right, right. Okay, so your next gig that I can see here, you're doing something in beautiful Farmer City, Illinois. Right. Central yeah. Illinois, right? Uh, yeah. 
the Wizzy's Bar. That's the 12th of October, which is a Saturday night. It's always nice to play on a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll be back in Evanston, Illinois, some of my old digs back there, CD release party. <clears throat> uh, even though the CD kind of came out a while, you're just kind of doing a CD thing now? or Yeah, well, I'm doing a uh, you know CD release per region, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah, that's you smart. Know? Yeah. Good plan. So that's the venue there is Space. Yeah, I played in good, some good gigs in Evanston. So that's Tuesday, the 15th of October. Then you're back in Houston, Texas, a little closer to your home turf there, mm-hmm. Saturday the 9th of November, and then Saturday the 16th of November, back out in San Francisco, the Casey Turner House Concert Series with Patrice Pike. Right, right. So and then what, so you've got gigs coming up, and then you just released this album. It's relatively new. So you're going to tour on this for a while? What's Yeah, next? a little bit, just just uh, just some small tours. Um, I'm kind of, I'm looking at possibility of Europe next year. Okay. Um, possibly Australia with oh, the Flatlanders. Nice. Uh, yeah. So take me with you, man. I need, okay, to, I need yeah. to play some shows overseas. I'm tired of playing these <laughs> to Americans. They're, they're, they're tired of my songs. They're yeah. tired of my stuff. So Colin, man, I can't thank you enough for coming out, doing this on such short notice. It's happy oh, yeah. to get thank you all you for having me. This is so great. And I hope we get to hang some in the future. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll throw some songs around sometime. I hope so, so. Thank you so much to Colin Gilmore, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.